0: Good morning. We've got a full house, even if it's a holiday weekend. Glad that you're here, part of it. Uh, several things to share before I get in the lesson. Uh, first, it's my joy to introduce uh, a new couple, uh, Jackson and Lauren Carey. And they are with us. Y'all mind standing where you are? Uh, let me tell you a little bit about this young couple. You already know about Jackson, son of uh, John and Carey. Uh, uh, John and Carey. John and Amy. Uh, John and Amy, I was thinking about them, they know how to raise stellar young men, do they not Uh, uh, love these guys? He grew up here, so a lot of you know him already, Uh, went to Harding, met Lauren there. Uh, If you like Jackson, you're going to love Lauren, Uh, just a sweet, sweet, sweet girl. Uh, He's a health insurance agent, she works for HCA as administrative assistant. Both of them are from strong Christian homes. Uh, They got married end of May, they just bought the first house, so uh, get to know them, uh, especially if you've not yet met met Lauren, uh, uh, you're going to love to know her. Uh, We're glad that West 7th will be their church home. Let me share this with you. Uh, It's wonderful that more and more people are now in the auditorium, uh, which means less and less have been in the overflow in the gym the last maybe two months or so, we've just had really a little over 10, 12 or so. And so starting next week, next Sunday, uh, the overflow option will move to the chapel only. Uh, We think that will be a better room for that number of people. And so just kind of keep that in mind is if that's your choice or if you come one time, that's what you want to do. That'll be in the chapel beginning next week. Also notice in the bulletin, our summer series, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, you know what a treat that's been. I want to call your attention to the month of July. Philip Young Jr. is going to speak uh, all the Wednesday nights of July on what the Lord says about money. Uh, He uh, shared some of this with our college age a few years ago with a a great success. And uh, we're encouraged that he's going to share that with the whole church. So mark your calendars for that. I want to thank you for a week away. See and I loved uh, getting away for a week. Glad to be back. Uh, Thanks to Barry for speaking. I was able to listen to his message and it hit me. Um, I hope we really appreciate how blessed we are to have Barry England with us. Uh, What a great man of God. God does wonderful things through him, blessing people, most of which even the staff and elders don't know all that he does for good, to help people who are hurting, help marriages, and we're grateful for Barry. Uh, Next week, uh, I had planned to volunteer to help drive our young people on their mission trip to the border in, in South Texas. And so we've invited Jim Sexton, our missionary to Cherokee, uh, to be our speaker next Sunday. So you want to be here for that. Uh, He's also going to teach a combined class, uh, the class in the the fireside room and the auditorium. We'll meet in here, and he'll teach this class. All the other classes will meet as usual, but you're welcome to come in here and hear more of a report about the good work in Cherokee. Uh, Speaking of the mission trip for our young people, Uh, That has been canceled. Um, And uh, we are brokenhearted about that. Barrett received some uh, reports of things that are just not right for us to go at this time. And he agonized, prayed all week long, and then made the hard, hard decision to cancel that trip. Uh, It was the right thing to do. (laughs) Um, but we're still just really sad about that because that was kind of the apex of the summer. So uh, pray for our young people. We're trying to figure out something else that we can do that would be a good plan B, and we want to help our young people this summer with that. <clears throat> we're continuing our lessons about the names of God. I know you're wondering, how many are there? Am I making these up? No, I'm not. In fact, there are so many more to come. I was thinking about, okay, we need to cut that off, we need to cut that off, but there's some more names to come. That we really need to know about. Like Jesus is our high priest. Did you know you need a high priest? Jesus is our mediator. Did you know you need a mediator, an advocate? That's another name for him. Do you remember how often Jesus is called a Nazarene? Why? Why is that in the Bible? You need to know why Jesus was called a Nazarene. So we're going to study those. Today we're going to look at Alpha and Omega. I want to encourage you to get the bulletin, you can turn to the back, and you have an outline you can follow along. Maybe you heard the story of a little girl who climbed into the lap of her great-grandmother and was just like staring at her face. And she noticed the wrinkles, and she noticed the gray hair. And then she asked her great-grandmother, did God make you? And the grand- great-grandmother said, well, yes, he did. And you could tell the little wheels were turning. And then she said, well, did God make me? And the great-grandmother said, well, yes, he did. And again, the the wheels were just turning. And she said, do you think God's doing a better job now than he used to? (laughs) I think we've all struggled with what theologians call the immutability of God. Does God change Does God change? Is He the same God today as He was a thousand years ago or at the beginning of creation? Some would say He does some things better today than yesterday. Some would say just the opposite. That God did things better once upon a time, but He doesn't anymore. So one of the things I want us to study as we are looking at this name, does God do things now like He did then? Look at Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We call this the changelessness of God. Immutability is the word. And there's a name for Jesus that communicates his eternality. And that is Alpha and Omega. That's what we're going to look at today. This appears three times in the book of Revelation. Two of them, the first two, chapter 1, chapter 21, is talking about God. But the third time, in the last chapter, Jesus is speaking. Look on the screen, Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me. Some translations say reward, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I believe this is a name that you and I really need to know today. To really understand why is Jesus called this. This is what we need when our fears deceive us into believing that God's not big enough. when We become overwhelmed with our circumstances that God's not big enough for the moment. Years ago, J.B. Phillips wrote a book, Your God is Too Small. And he makes the case that when you have those feelings, that means you've got a, a small view of God. And that's what that is showing. This name testifies to the divine totality of Jesus Christ. Now, there are a lot of names for Jesus that could also apply to people, like king and master and servant. Teacher. But this name, Alpha and Omega, is a name that only deity is able to wear. Look at how God used the name. Revelation 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Sometimes as we think about God, we, we may attempt to um, limit him. To, I mean, think about Jesus. We may limit him to his time here on earth. We think about Jesus being born, and we think about Jesus living here on earth, and we think about his time here, and we almost limit him, his life, to his experience in Palestine. When our son was returning from studying abroad, he spent some time in Israel. And so, see, a teaching kindergartner, she showed the class some pictures of where Jesus lived. Jake was all over the place. And, and I'll never forget this because one of the children said, You mean those places really exist? And that young, young mind, I don't know what they were thinking maybe a cartoon version of, of, of Jerusalem, maybe uh, it was just a, a, a picture, but it really does exist. Sometimes we may think of God's Son as just living a long time ago in Palestine. Alpha and Omega makes us confront the eternal scope of Jesus. To think about who he is. Alpha, first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega, last letter in the Greek alphabet. You know that already. From Alpha and Omega. That would be like you and me saying from A to Z. Come It's comprehensive from beginning to end. That's what the name means. And that's why it's a name that only deity can wear. It means Jesus is our source. He's our origin. It means Jesus is our goal. He's what we're striving for. Alpha and omega means it's where we came from. It's where we're going. It means he's with us every step of the way, every step, every moment, every circumstance. He's not only there with us. He was there Before us. That's the scope of Alpha and Omega. And because of that, he can speak with authority when he says, our fears then are based on an illusion. Because we're looking in the wrong direction. We're looking at our circumstances. We're concentrating on those instead of looking or seeing and believing how truly big he is. One author says that these names are like parentheses. Alpha. Alpha and Omega, and everything in between is where we are. So the question is, what can be bigger than the first and the last? John Huffman wrote a book, Who's in Charge Here? He tells the story of Robert Dick Wilson. Wilson was a well-loved Bible professor at Princeton Seminary, late 1800s to the early 1900s, long time ago. One of his students was invited back to speak at chapel. So Dr. Wilson came in to hear him, sat down on the front. At the close, this old professor spoke to the former student. Here's what he said. If you return to speak here, I will not come back to hear you preach. I only come once. I'm glad you are a big godder. When my boys come back, I come to see if they are big godders or little godders, and then I know what their ministry will be. Well, the young man who had returned didn't quite understand what he meant by that. So Dr. Wilson explained further. Some men have a little God, he said, and they're always in trouble with him. He can't do miracles. He can't take care of the inspiration and the transmission of Scripture to us. He doesn't intervene on behalf of his people. They have a little God. And that's why I call them little Godders. And then there are those who have a great God. He speaks and it is done. He commands, and it stands fast. He knows how to show himself strong on behalf of those who fear him. You have a great God, and he will bless your ministry. He paused, smiled, and said, God bless you, and then walked away. One of the reasons we meet here, and why we've missed meeting together, Joe did a great job of just walking us through those scriptures and all the different aspects of communion. That was good for us to think about and reflect all that goes on there. Well, here's another angle. For six days, you and I are surrounded by little godders. People who pay lip service to the Almighty. And it does our hearts good to gather with others we have a big view of God. And we gather to remember that Jesus is above and beyond everything. Look at Romans eleven thirty six: For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. So I want us to understand this name in a very practical way. This is not just Greek, Alpha and Omega, just some, some religious talk. Understand He's before all things. He's in all things. He's after all things. He is the first. He is the last. He's the source. He's the goal. He's the confirmation that every single part of your life is in between these parentheses of Alpha and Omega. It's really significant. So I want to draw your attention make four points or observations from the name. Here's the first. Alpha and Omega magnifies His supremacy over all creation. Remember that. When you think of Alpha and Omega, when you think of Jesus, think about His supremacy over all creation. He's before everything and He is after everything will be. Now, this name Alpha and Omega, those are Greek terms, but they have their root in the Old Testament. For example, Isaiah 48, look at verse 12. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I called to them, they stand forth together. So who is this Alpha of creation? Who is the source of everything? It's Jesus. He was there from the very beginning. You ever hear about the scientists? that challenged God to a duel. They said, God, we don't need you anymore. Science has developed so much. You're not needed. So God challenged them and said, do you think you can create life? They said, yeah, I think we can. God said, you're wrong. Do your best. So the scientists reached down and they grabbed some of the earth and God said, get your own dirt. (laughs) We think we don't need God, but we do. He is Alpha. That means He's before and therefore above everything in the universe because everything in the universe is sourced in Him. We don't believe life came from nothing. We believe it came from God Almighty. One of the reasons Jesus is above all else is because He's before all else. If you've not marked John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 in your Bible, it's past time. But better than mark it in your Bible, hide it in your heart. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So when you think about Jesus again, don't think about him being born thousands of years after Genesis. He was always. He was always. Look at Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Think about that, visible and invisible. We're not talking about just creation, earth, animals, plants. Invisible too. He's the author of all of that. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things And in him all things hold together. Alpha and omega, the parentheses, that's Jesus. Well, here's the second thing the name means. It magnifies his sovereignty is in all of history. Alpha and omega, it means it magnifies his sovereignty in all of history. We're saying Jesus' hand is in yesterday. Jesus' hand is in today. And Jesus is already in tomorrow. He's sovereign over all of it. There's nothing that's going to happen that surprises him. He knows. He's already there. Look at Isaiah 41. God's telling the people about what's going to happen to the nation of Babylon. God's going to raise up a king of Persia to conquer them. And even though it's not yet happened, God has already decided history. Look at these verses. Isaiah 41, beginning verse 2. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He's talking about this coming king. He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword and driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths His feet have not trod. His feet have not trod because he's not in position yet. He's not even king yet. Then look at verse 4. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am He. His overall creation, over all of history, there's never been a single day that God was not in control of what we call history. Now, sometimes we struggle with this, do we not? Sometimes we act like God took an early retirement from ruling. The world. But if he's Alpha and Omega, he's just as invested today as he ever was. He's not coasting. He's not on autopilot. Get this. If he's sovereign over all of history, then he's sovereign over your history. That's who he is. It's part of him being God. Even though you may not see it, you may not understand it. Jesus is active, active in your life. Even the prophets whom God worked through, spoke through, it was afterwards they were able to look back and see God's hand working among them. You've done that. You know what that's like. With wisdom and insight, you look back and see God at work. You may not at the moment. At the moment, the circumstances may be overwhelming you and your faith may be really struggling. But remember this name, Alpha and Omega, when you cannot see what God is doing. He is sovereign over your history. Now, if you're familiar with cross-stitching, embroidery, needlepoint, you know that if you turn it to the backside, all you can see are the colorful threads and, and sometimes a little bit of a, a pattern, but, but for the most part, it's just a jumbled mess of threads. But when you turn it to the right side and you see the beautiful design as it was tended, there are moments, circumstances, sometimes years, when our life all we can see is a jumbled mess. And by faith we have to trust God and believe that He is designing, He is working in our lives. And He's going to accomplish His purposes. Look at Romans 8:28. You know this verse. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God knows what he's creating. He knows he wants you to look like Jesus. That's his goal. That's his purpose. And even when we can't see how the picture is developing, God is developing. God can see it. You've heard the name Corrie Tin Boom. She wrote The Hiding Place about her days, her time, the concentration camps. When they put Corey and her sister Betsy in a horrible camp called Ravensbrook, the barracks were so overcrowded, infested with fleas, it was terrible. But they were able to have Bible studies. And one time, they were reading 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. I put it on the screen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So Betsy decided, we're going to be thankful for for everything in our barracks. And Corey said, no, can't do it. Especially the fleas. She said, I will not thank God for the fleas. If you've ever had a flea problem, you get it. You you can't get rid of them fast enough. They're, They're awful. But Betsy insisted, be thankful in all circumstances. And it was later, they wondered, why? Why were they able to have a Bible study in the concentration camps? Because the guards didn't want to go in where there were fleas. Be thankful in all circumstances. When we have a crisis, we can look back and we see Jesus was right there in the middle of it. Holding our hand, arms around our shoulder, allowing us to be in His lap. He's with us at all times. And we need to realize And when we're in that issue, in that moment, in that struggle, in that trial, he was there first. That's Alpha and Omega. Third, this name magnifies his sufficiency in all things. You know, there's nothing you and I possess that is complete. There's not. We don't exist. I do not have all wisdom. Surprise. I don't. I do not have all knowledge. I do not have all patience. I do. You don't either. None of us do. And we may have more and more perhaps, but none of us have it completely. But there's nothing incomplete or lacking about Jesus. You ever thought about that? He's perfect in that way. Look at Colossians 1.19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. That's who he is. It's like perfection. If you study the book of Colossians, you know, that's kind of the, the theme of the book, of the letter. It's about Jesus being supreme. He's the best. He's the top. So much so that in four chapters, the word all appears 20, I think it was 23 times all. That's Jesus. Look at Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ who's the head over every power and authority. Look at what we just read. Think about this. When you came to Jesus to be your Savior, you become the branch that's connected to the vine. Remember him talking about that? The Gospel of John records that you then have access to the fullness of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you get everything you want. That's not what he's saying here. It does mean you have everything you need to continue to grow to be more and more like Jesus. God will give you that. That's his promise. And he loves to do that. Look at 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Like the little girl who heard the story about God's unlimited power and ability. She called up to her dad and said, Daddy, how big is God? And he wisely said, He's always bigger than you think. That's true. He's always bigger than you think. Look at these lyrics of this song. You are my all in all by Dennis Jernigan. You know this one? Look at it. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. When I'm down, you pick me up. When I'm dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. The Alpha and Omega lacks nothing. That is who he is. And the Bible says you and I can be full of him. One more. Alpha and Omega magnifies his surety to all believers. That's who he is. It's our assurance that all of Christ's purposes are going to be accomplished. Again, it's part of the name, start to finish. He doesn't just kind of get you you going and give you some energy, give you a boost, and get you rolling and say, I hope you make it. He's the God of the beginning and the end. He's there. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Perfecter. Some translations say completer. Some say finisher. See, we believe, yes. and, And we're in, we're accepted, yes. But that's not the end. He continues to work through us. When Jesus was on the cross, remember He said several things... But one of the statements that's so impactful. It is finished. Remember that? It is finished. He accomplished the ultimate sacrifice. He made the pronouncement done. Finished. Accomplished. What he came to do, it is finished. So you and I don't have to worry about that. It is finished. Was it Enough. Did he do enough to save you? Was his death enough? Was his perfect life enough? He also said, behold, I'm coming soon. Remember that? Behold, I'm coming soon. And when he does, he will accomplish everything that he promised. Especially the last chapter of the Bible, what it predicts. When God created the earth, you remember... Actually, it says, let us. That's the Jesus is in there, too. So all of the Godhead are there at the beginning. And you remember how he pronounced everything is good. But it wasn't three chapters in where man messed it up. And there's corruption on the earth. So at the beginning, it's good. And at the end, it says, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. At the first of the Bible, Satan enters the earth, the world. At the end of the Bible, Satan's cast out forever. At the first, death entered with sin. At the end of the Bible, death is destroyed. At the first, man lost paradise. That sweet communion with God where he walked with him in the garden. And at the end of the Bible, man enters paradise again for eternity. The Lord Jesus is going to start, going to finish everything he started. And if you're a child of God, that includes you. He's going to finish everything He started. He started something in you, and He's going to finish it. He's going to complete it. He's going to accomplish His purposes for you. Look at Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, Paul wrote, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If you were to go to Greece today... And walk past a jewelry store, or go in a jewelry store. You'd probably see a Greek word, araban, a r r a b o n, araban. It means engagement rings. That's where you'd go to get an engagement ring. Let me show you where araban appears in our Bibles. Ephesians chapter one, verse thirteen and fourteen. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is, and there's that word, guarantee, araban, engagement ring of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Some translations render that deposit. Do you ever think about that? The Holy Spirit being your engagement ring, your deposit, your guarantee. He lives in you that Jesus is going to finish what he started. Your whole life is wrapped up in the parentheses of these names, Alpha and Omega. What does it mean? In a very practical way, it means he is the source, he's the beginning of our day. So every morning, our hearts, our minds, they go to him Lord, you're the source of this day, you're the one who gave it to me. Stay with me, work through me, teach me, open my eyes. Let me live for You. You are my reason. And then when you go to the bed at night, when the day is wrapping up, say, Lord, You are the Omega. You are with me all day long. You're still with me. Every step, You continue to be the goal of my life. Do you know what happens when we finally grasp what this means? That Jesus is the beginning and the last, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. When we see God that big when we become big godders, when you and I see God that way, our fears get smaller and smaller. The more we're looking to God, the more that happens. There are two statues in New York City. One author shared this. And I thought it's so illustrated. Kind of like, how do you look at things? How, what's your perspective? And he talked about these two statues on 5th Avenue. One is from the, in front of the RCA building. You know this one. It's Atlas. And he's, he's kind of down. He's got the whole world on his shoulders. Remember that? And he's kind of crunched down under the weight of holding the whole world on his shoulders. And he's incredibly strong. But yet he's got that whole burden. And, and he's almost bent over. But across the street... St. Patrick's Cathedral, behind the altar, there's the statue of Jesus holding the whole world in one hand. That's really the philosophy of life, the choice. You can take it all on your shoulders, and you may be very strong, and you may be doing pretty well holding up everything all on your own, or you can look at Jesus, who created it all, who keeps it spinning, And we'll be there the day when he calls us home and says, it's time for a new heaven and a new earth. It's about what you think. It's about what you believe. It's about your perspective. You can believe that Alpha and Omega holds the world. Always has. Always will. He owns yesterday. He owns today and He owns tomorrow. You might as well give Him your life. It's who He is. It's what He wants to do. Jesus is big enough to save you. He did enough on the cross. He said it is finished. He said that for you. The question is, Do you believe? If you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you're ready to confess your faith, have your sins washed away as you're baptized into Christ, He will put His Holy Spirit, His guarantee in you and then continue to work in you until the day He comes to take you home. That's the good news of Jesus. As we sing this song, we want to encourage you to say yes to that. Or if we can pray for you in any way, as you try to believe in the Alpha and the Omega, won't you come as we stand and sing, as we encourage.